Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bridget and Josh show. I'm Bridget. I'm Josh, and this is the show where we talk about stuff we think young Catholics should care about. And this week, we think you should care about Catholic social teaching. How exciting. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's a big topic. Yeah, it's kind of our first foray into actual like church teaching sort of stuff. We've been a bit mm. heavily politicized in our first couple of yep. episodes, but we're getting into sort of some church teaching, which uh, as a theologian quote i'm not a theologian mm. but as someone who has a theology <laughs> degree it's kind of fun yeah i'm keen especially because like these things aren't separate they're part mm. of our whole worldview and the way that we look at everything anyway so we're going to start by talking about a bit about kind of the background of where catholic social teaching comes from um got a lot of good latin names of church documents for everyone to google later exciting and then yeah <laughs> they're the best i hope i pronounce them all right if i don't don't blame me it's not my fault um, and then we're going to look at some of the principles that have been developed um, and a bit more of the specifics of what we mean when we talk about Catholic social teaching. And then we're just going to have a bit of a chat about what that looks like in our lives and what it means for us as Catholics. Yeah. And I think uh, it's important just at the outset to say that like Catholic social teaching, it kind of sounds like a big, scary kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, Catholic social teaching and it's like this huge and it is a I mean it is a big thing um yeah. but I think people can be pretty intimidated by the name like it's it's and mm. just that it seems like this whole big sort of thing um and whatever but really at the end of the day it's actually not that sort of complicated so to speak um in terms of yeah. trying to figure out what it is it's all in the name really it's mm. teaching from the church that has to do with our social lives and well, not so much our social lives. I mean, there's no, nothing about there about how many beers you should have on the weekend or anything, but, um, but in terms of how we relate with society um, mm. that it's teaching, that's not just about part of it has to do about what we do interiorly and just within our own lives, yeah. but it's really about how we engage with the world around us. Yeah. It's about those like connections between people on a small scale and on a large scale too. There's actually a really good quote from the Compendium of Catholic Social Doctrine, which is all about Catholic social teaching, um, where it says that Catholic social teaching is where the crossroads of Christian life and conscience come into contact with the real world. And I think that sums it up beautifully and much better than either of us could ever say. Um, but it's so essential to look at this as how we make those little networks with other people so that we can be bringing God to every area of our life. Yeah, and I think that's right. And I think what that really gets at is when we have Catholic social teaching, there's a few parts mm. that make up, I guess, um, the approach that underlies it, I think. Yeah. The first is uh, there's principles and there's lots of different principles. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a bit. Um, but they're basically sort of um, foundations um, that this stuff is kind of built on. 
but then yep. they don't exist in a theoretical bubble, but we take those and mm. we apply them to real lived situations, but they help mm, inform definitely. us how we form opinions about uh, matters in society. And then the last bit is that that then should hopefully lead us to action and it calls us to action, calls us to act out of um, the gospel and to try and live the gospel in these sort of specific ways. Um, and oh, so there's, amen. The, it's kind of those different sort of, <laughs> thank you, those different parts uh, of what, uh, make up Catholic social teaching. I've got an amen. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, amen. did you want to, uh, I reckon it, now that we're just going to outline a bit of that, Bridget, mm-hmm. do, where does this kind of come from? Like you could, people will probably think that, you know, that Catholic social teaching has been around forever, I guess. Well, not forever, but since the early sort of church. But is that necessarily yeah. true? Well, it's kind of, it's it's funny because it's like not brand new. Like you either think that it's super fresh from, you know, 2014 or something, or that it's like, super ancient medieval that tends to be how we look at the church perspective but actually um modern looks modern ideas about catholic social teaching are from um the late 1800s really obviously it's grounded in scripture which happened at the beginning of the church but this is kind of in sort of a more modern era of the church i know a lot of people wouldn't think that 1891 is modern but like if we're looking at the perspective of a 2000 year old mm. church it's pretty it's pretty fresh mm. it's pretty historically fresh. it's the modern era right yeah exactly if you're being if you're cutting it into bits and pieces so um the first thing that we really got out of the church was pope leo the 13th is that right yeah yeah cool i yeah. thought that i put an yeah, extra one on three the, eyes no yeah, pope three leo, eyes there yeah them. yeah Probably the 13th Rerum Navarum was a really... Pronunciation tick. Well done. That's the first one. Oh, look at me go. So Rerum Navarum, it's a really important document and it was like the first of this type of teachings in the modern era of the church. He was speaking out against the inhumane working conditions that were fueling industrialization at the time and they were also disproportionately impacting the working class. So if you put on your 1891 goggles, you're seeing people being moved from the countryside into the cities, beginning um, industrialization and mechanization of the workforce. And you're looking at a lot of slums growing, um, a lot of people in dangerous working conditions, working a lot for not a lot of money. So the church looked at this and was like, we need to say something about this. Let's see what needs to change. Moving on from that, um, after kind of in the post-war period, um, and during actually during the Second World War, Pius XII um, was encouraging peace and collaboration between nations, especially in um, a set of documents called his Christmas Letters. So um, that, that's not like, Latin, you know. No, that's not. <laughs> I'm sure it has a Latin name, but <laughs> it's like the Queen's Christmas Address. It's the Pope's Christmas Letters. Ooh. Can you imagine that'd be so cute? Getting a letter from the Pope for Christmas. Um, Anyway, but he, he was talking about police and collaboration, especially during the Second World War, which, yeah, as yeah. we know, was not a very peaceful and collaborative time for anyone no, involved. not at all. Yes. Um, and then that kind of theme of collaboration, peace amongst nations, um, which I think we always think of as being this kind of big ideal of, you know, a white dove world peace. But what they were really trying to get at was, like, stop murdering each other and share your resources. Like, that's it. That's our bottom line, guys. I think that's a good start. Yeah. And so this theme of peace on earth and that kind of stuff was continued by John the 23rd in his major encyclicals, Mater et Magisteria and Pacem in Terris, which actually means peace on earth. Um, so 
As we move into the post-war period, then came a really big set of teachings from the 60s to about the 80s. Um, and that's the stuff that we're only really processing and putting into practice now. Um, obviously, we all know that was a major time of change for the church and for the world. Um, and these pieces, a lot were written, written by the USBC. USBBC. USBBC, United States Bishops Conference. No, USCCB. Oh, USCCB. USC. There we go. There's too many letters. We got there. There's way too many acronyms and letters and Roman numerals in this episode, but oh, it's it's a lot. We'll write it all down so that we will overcome. Can look at it. So anyway, the U.S. Bishops Conference um, had like a range of synods and conferences and that kind of stuff, um, and they published papers from them of the synodal discussions, encyclicals, and apostolic exhortations. Were all a part of that. More recently, we've seen Pope Francis, our current Pope, Pope Francis I, he doesn't get any Roman numerals because there's been no one else yet, um, make a vital link between social justice as well um, and evangelization. So we know evangelization is one of his key points as Pope and we know that evangelization is vital and super important, but he's making that link between social justice and bringing people to Christ instead of them being these two separate parts of the church, which I know in my experience I felt like that. I mm. felt like I'm involved in youth ministry, not in Vinny's. Yeah, totally. Um, but he's actually saying that they're the same thing mm. and they're both essential. Um, so, yeah. Um, other really essential stuff has come from the heart of the church in developing nations, which is really important that we listen to mm -hmm. those voices because they're so hands-on and like really on the ground in when we come to social Catholic social teaching stuff. So um, there's been bishops conferences from Latin America, Africa, and Asia, all speaking about what Catholic social teaching needs to look like for them and for the areas of extreme poverty and oppression and stuff that they see every day. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. And I think, um, that background really shows and points us in the right direction of this, what I guess what we call the sources of Catholic social teaching. So, yeah. um, you know, you might think, oh, well, if it's only been around since the 18, late 1800s, well, what was going on before mm -hmm. then? And what, what Catholic social teaching kind of is, it's almost like a bringing together of the foundation, the biblical foundation of a lot of this sort of stuff. You know, the Bible mm -hmm. talks a whole lot about justice and mercy and the importance of social justice and all that sort of stuff. So there's really deep and strong scriptural foundations uh, that Catholic, Catholic social teaching is built upon. And when you mm -hmm. look at a lot of these encyclicals and um, ex apostolic exhortations and papal documents and magisterial documents, um, you see that. I think that comes through really clearly, mm -hmm. the deep groundedness in scripture that they have. Um so it was obviously that. Obviously, there comes from the church's magisterium from bishops and popes um, and from groups of bishops and the synod of bishops and all that sort of stuff. But it also comes from lived experience mm. uh, as well, you know, I think. And it's kind of like the church responding to the lived experience of Catholics. And I think Rerum, Rerum Navarum is a really good example of that, is it? It comes out yeah. of the lived experience of people moving from the, uh, from a, you know, a, a predominantly agrarian society into an industrialized mm -hmm. society and the impact that, that that had on workers and on families uh, on the domestic home and all that sort of stuff and that's really mm, definitely so um you know when we look at catholic social teaching you know that there it's not just you know theological concepts from um the modern and postmodern period but yeah uh, 
it's based in scripture and lived experience. But then also there's a whole stack of documents. Like we before we recorded this, we yeah. were talking about it. There's like there's a like there's a I've got a list in front of me. There's like gosh, maybe twenty. Like even just looking at what the yeah. US bishops have put out in the last one hundred years, there's like they've put out over half a dozen. Um, you know, I mean, the, the Australian Catholic bishops put out a social justice mm-hmm. statement, which really is Catholic social yep. teaching, and they do that every year. The one this year is on mental health, for example, which is a, an emerging Catholic social teaching issue in the mm. world and in, emerging mm-hmm. in the sense of how the recognition it's getting, um, yeah. which is really cool. But um, I guess we could probably crack into uh, some of the principles, I suppose. And so yeah. before we start on this, um, one of the big questions around Catholic social teaching is how many principles are there actually? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> depending I, on the list. Yeah. The, you know, like I, I studied at Catholic Theological College. Uh, I did the unit there. Bridget, you studied at ACU. Um, yeah. So you learned seven principles. I learned about four principles. The US bishops say there's seven. Caritas says there's eight. Vinnie's says there's 10. Um, and you sort of think, well, does what difference does it make about all these, mm. the fact that there are different numbers? And the reality is, is that they're actually all drawing from the same stuff. Yeah, uh, that exactly. All, um, I guess what you see in the identification of different values is, um, or different uh, principles is the values that those organizations have that they wanted to bring forward. So I guess for our sake, and for the sake, I guess, of brevity, um, but also in wanting to just draw sort of as deeply as to the universal teaching of the church, we're yeah. going to talk about the f- what's called the four permanent principles, which are, again, from the compendium uh, of the social doctrine of the church. So they identify four per- what they call the four permanent principles of Catholic social teaching that underlie um, I guess Catholic social teaching. They underpin teaching. everything, really. Yeah, and so, yeah. And so what you'll find is while they, they might be listed with more, um, mm-hmm. you'll find those, they all reside within those four permanent principles. And so uh, those principles are, when we're, we're going to run through them, they're the dignity of the human person, yep. the common good, subsidiarity, yep. and solidarity. Mm-hmm. And everything just comes forth from those. So I'll jump in and start with the dignity of the human person. So we know this one is so, so important because it just like everything that we believe about who we are and who God is and who we should be with each other just like draws from this. And it, it's all based in the idea that like, not in the idea, in the truth, really, in the truth that we are created in the image of God. And that because of that, we have essential value and essential freedoms. Um, This dignity gives us universal, inviolable, inalienable rights. And from those rights, we also have the duty or responsibility to ensure that those rights are defended and maintained for every person on this planet and every person who will come and every person who has been. Just all the people, we all have dignity and it's so, so essential once you start to understand that every person has dignity and like it just, it totally changes your life, really. Um, I remember reading this C.S. Lewis quote where it was like, every person that you meet is an eternal being. And I was like, oh my Mm. gosh, they really are. Like every person you meet has an immortal soul. And it's part of our duty as Christians to treat each person with their full human dignity so that they can be led to heaven and led into relationship with Jesus. So all of our understanding of everything really is 
ingrained in the dignity of the human person and that's the source of it and then how we apply that is really the rest of catholic social teaching yeah and i think so where i guess the first principle really emphasizes the inherent dignity and the value of the human person Mm -hmm. the second principle is kind of helps us to realize that that doesn't exist we don't exist in and of ourselves and that's why the second principle the common good is really important i love this one yeah, me too. It's pretty sick. It's so good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, so John the 23rd defines the common good as the, the sum total of social conditions which allow people, whether they're gathered together in groups or just as individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and more easily. A really pithy way of saying it is the common good is the maximum good for all. Uh, yeah. and you kind of, and it's interesting because in society we often hear about the greater good, um, mm. and people often sometimes think that's actually what the church teaches, but it's not. The church is really yeah. firm in saying not the co- not the greater good, but the common good. That yeah. the all is really important. And that it's all about the whole community, um, the whole public at large, so to speak. That's really really important. Um, and what the common good really emphasizes that the individual the group and the common good, they're actually not opposed to each other, but they're really complementary. Mm, um, definitely. That they're about ensuring that um, that everyone's rights are respected and upheld. Within the common good, there's actually two, I guess, secondary or subsequent principles that we often talk about. Mm-hmm. And the first is uh, the right to private property. Yep. And the second one is the fundamental option for the poor. And they're both mm. really equally important that yep. there is a right to own private property but the option of the poor which is you know taps into what we call the universal destination of goods that what that means is that all of creation was created for all of humanity that it wasn't just for those who have access to wealth who are are wealthy have access to resources etc but it's actually for the benefit of everyone snatch it first yeah exactly and so the fundamental option for the poor what that really says is that hey look Decisions in government and all that sort of stuff shouldn't just be with the mind of those who are wealthy, those who are donors to political parties and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It really should have, I guess, a particular concern for those who are poor and that live on the margins. And so that what that really emphasizes is the the all of the common good, that the common good isn't just for those who have, but it's for everyone. Um, And that's why this is a really fundamental principle. So leading off from the common good, we have another kind of pairing to it, which is subsidiarity. And although they might sound like they're kind of in opposition, like you were saying, Josh, they really complement each other. Mm. So the word subsidiarity even comes from the, like, the meaning of it really is to help and to serve. Um, it recognises that the building blocks of our society are families or other mm. small social groups, like little, little tiny mini communities. And when we network all of those little communities together, we weave this really strong social fabric that becomes our society. Um, it also means that like if people who have less authority than you or somehow or another are like lower in the social chain than you are at risk of injustice, you have to step in and give them a voice. It's not about talking over them or making decisions for them. It's all about ensuring that the people who are closest to an issue are the ones making the decisions. And um, at the start of this year, I uh, went to a conference thing for um, campus ministry at ACU. Mm-hmm. And one of the principles that they were really holding as 
a big kind of national network of universities um, was the idea of collaboration and subsidiarity. So for us, that means that making decisions about events and stuff happens on our campus so that it can be most applicable to students in Canberra. We can't be doing the same stuff that happens in Melbourne and Brisbane because mm. we don't have the same people there. And so subsidiarity is all about that, like closest to the issue empowering individuals or small communities to be making the decisions that affect them because they know their situation best. Um, and like a secondary principle that comes from that one is participation and participation is all about using that voice that um, you have so that you can speak about those issues that are closest to you. Yeah. And I think like, like in a really practical way, like mm. uh, the federal's, system that we have in Australia actually kind of employs subsidiarity. Like yeah. um, obviously, you know, decisions around defense and foreign affairs is made at a federal level, but decisions around healthcare is made at a state or territory level and decisions around what night is been night is really local. Um, yeah. You know, that <laughs> exactly. what you're seeing is the appropriate decisions are being made on the appropriate kind of levels, which is, a, I guess that helps to sort of break that open as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's all about, lowest common denominator bring it all the way down to the grassroots level yeah no for sure um and i think the the last principle again and what you i think is what is really clear in this is that all these things are really intertwined right and they complement each other um but the last uh principle which is solidarity Mm -hmm. recognizes that sure you know and that the essential reality of subsidiarity that society is made up of, of small groups of small camp communities families uh, etc that's a fundamental truth but that we don't exist as silos we don't have a solid mentality subsidiarity yep. sort of says that there's actually a really essential bond between people and between groups of people um, yes definitely and so uh, I think we, we see this really clearly I guess in a certain way in the globalized world um, you know things like United Nations uh, mm. European Union, all that sort of stuff, regardless of people's political opinions about them, what something that they really show us is that we're all kind of in this together. I mean, the coronavirus has been yeah. really good. Um, I mean, the coronavirus hasn't been good, but you know what I mean? It, it's it's <laughs> good. Um, when governments, when things have gone well, you can actually see mm-hmm. that we're recognising that we're actually all in this together, you know, that yeah, I know being stuck down here in Victoria, uh, the amount of messages I've got from people saying, look, we're really with you. We're praying for you. And we know that you're doing yeah. this for us. Um, but also that we're here for you and that sort of stuff is actually a really mm. good example of, of that solidarity. Um, yeah. You know, and I guess what underlies that is this fundamental truth that the human person is in, in is, is interdependent. Uh, yes. It's not completely dependent on other people. It's not, we aren't meant to be completely independent, but we're meant to be interdependent. That we're meant mm. to, you know, retain our own dignity and our own our own autonomy, but that we're actually made for relationship and made to be uh, a part of uh, this society. Um, and yeah, and so that's the four principles. So there's yeah the dignity of the human person, uh, the common good, subsidiarity, and solidarity. If you want more information about this, I'm pretty sure we're going to have some stuff in the show notes. Once we're yep. figuring out how to do show notes, but we'll have some <laughs> stuff there. Um, yeah. For you. The to- Caritas website has the like seven, and that breaks it down really easily because it's meant for kids. But like always Google like whatever it is for kids, Catholic social teaching for kids, you will yeah, get what yeah. you need to know about That's that. it. How good. So, um, um, yeah. These four teachings are really like yeah. underpinned as well by truth, freedom, justice, and love. 
Yeah. Like that just kind of, those are the values that um, are coming out when we live out these principles mm. properly and in our everyday lives. Yeah, totally. And I think the other thing I think to remember is that I guess those values actually put them in the context of relationship and that we can't just have these principles as theoretical ideas that mm. what makes Catholic social teaching work is that we take these principles and we principles and we apply them, that we really apply them both in a really corporate and societal level, but we actually apply yeah. them within our own lives as well. And that we're actually, we're seeking to, in all of our decisions and all the way that we're loving others, that we're seeking to respect their dignity, that we're speaking to mm. uphold the common good, um, you know, that, you know, we're seeking to um, engage uh, and make decisions uh, using the principle of, sub, sub, of subsidiarity. And we're also seeking yeah. to stand in solidarity with people. It's no good having those ideas in your head, um, these things really need to be grounded in, in the decisions that we that we make. And I guess part of what we're hoping to do as the podcast goes on is that we're actually going to break open some of these issues and that we'll have discussions yes, and have definitely. conversations about how Catholic social teaching engages with issues of the economy, of education, yeah. healthcare, et cetera. So. Yeah, they're not competing with each other. Like they're definitely supposed to be integrated and living all together all mixed up in this crazy weird mess of a world that we have but um i think it's very easy for us to kind of try and divide up church teaching or to have this idea that it's for over there or it's for certain parts of our life or that church teaching is only about scripture or the sacraments and that kind of stuff Mm. but the whole reason that you know jesus founded the church to be here on earth is so that it can be accessing every area of our lives um It's not just about what we do in a building on Sunday. It's about how we live every day, bringing the love of Christ to others. Um, I know that I've definitely seen a rise in interest about Catholic social teaching, both in my kind of Insta feed and on um, in everyday life. Yeah, totally. (laughs) But um, I can't tell if that's just because like more people know about it or like because since I learned about it at uni, I started seeing it more. yeah. I think that's really uh, cool, Bridget, I think, because like in a certain sense, I guess what I'm concerned about or what I've been worried about or I guess what I've been thinking a lot about around this sort of stuff mm-hmm. is that um, it becomes really easy to just focus on, I guess, some of those doctrinal sort of things around the, the, mm-hmm. the faith that we kind of want to make sure that we believe the right thing and that we're not heretics or anything like that which is yeah. you know, obviously no one wants to be a heretic right but um you know and so on one hand you know the importance of knowing what we believe and believing what we believe is actually really important yeah but i think there's often a danger that we try what happens is that it gets reduced to an intellectual exercise and yes. what we do is that we make an incarnational faith an intellectual faith um and i think that's uh, a real danger that we we don't want to do that. Uh, we actually want to realize is that um, that Jesus became a human person and entered into society for a reason. Uh, that he actually really wants to encounter people. Uh, he doesn't want us just to have an, an ideological idea, but he wants us to really, um, I guess, love those around us and and be mm, active members definitely. of society and to live the gospel. Um, yeah, in our lives. Yeah, church teaching is about, you know, how do we be a person in a world full of other people? Like it's not just about the theory of it or the theory of religion. It's about who we are and who God is and what that can look like in our lives. 
Yeah, and I think it's like a, it's almost an antidote to, I mean, the fact that we live is an antidote to the, to the individualistic society we live in. Like mm. so much of what we hear Definitely. and so much of what I guess society tells us, you know, whatever, um, <laughs> that all that matters is me, like my choices, my freedom yeah. to make the decisions that I want to do. But what Catholic social teaching reminds us is that we're social beings. To be human is to yeah. be social. That we're made for a relationship. Um, and so that's what that's something I love about Catholic social teaching is that remind at least it reminds me that mm. my faith isn't just about me. My faith is about sure my relationship with Jesus, but it's really about how I share that love with those around me. Yeah. And I don't do it well at all, but um, but it's what it's about. That it's you know I'm yeah. so my place in society is really important. I'm not meant to be a silo out in the wilderness, but I'm actually meant to yeah. be a, a contributing member of society. I really agree. I think that it's so important that we see how integrated these different areas of our lives are, and that like our relationship with Christ isn't just about a one-on-one thing. It becomes a way of life and it becomes how you participate in the world, which I think is really necessary because how we participate in the world is a part of how we look at our politics, how we look at how we spend our money, how we spend our time, who we spend our time with, like all of those different bits and pieces come together. Um, And I think Catholic social teaching gives us a real framework and like a scaffold almost to, to look at different issues and be like, how should I approach this as someone who is trying to live a life as close to Jesus as possible. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, and I think that's the really important thing that, you know, whilst we've probably spoken a lot about politics already in the in the first few episodes, mm-hmm. is that this is kind of thing that really underpins it. And this is, you know, why we actually think it's really important that you care about it and it's why we care about it yeah. so much as well. So um, hopefully that's been okay. I feel like it's probably been a bit of a whirlwind introduction, um, yeah. <laughs> like I said. Hopefully we're going to have some stuff in the show notes if I can figure out how show notes work but mm-hmm. um but yeah but we hope you enjoyed it if you have any questions hit us up if you have any thoughts yeah definitely let us uh, get know. in touch on uh, on our social media and that sort of stuff uh and yeah hopefully we'll uh see you again next time see you around ciao bye